This episode of the Talk Hard podcast is brought to you by Trailer Skips Tasmania and Full Bore Skip Bins. If you're doing a bit of work around the house and you've got large amounts of waste items from household waste, green waste, building or renovation waste or heavy waste items and your piles are becoming bigger than Ben-Hur, give Dylan a call to organise your trailer skip or full bore skip bin today. Trailer skips use a unique design incorporating a skip bin built into a trailer for easy removal and tipping. Or if it's a normal skip bin you need, a full bore skip bin will be the one for you. You don't even have to pick it up or dump it yourself. Dylan will deliver it for you and he'll take it away and dump it. How good's that? Give him a call today on 0409 801 635. Trailer skips and full bore skip bins. Don't go the half job, go the full bore. On this episode of the Talk Hard podcast, Devonport real estate legend and one of my former employers, Michael Burr. As a retired real estate agent, Michael gives us a real insight into life in the industry, a few home truths on what makes a good agent, some of the major challenges agents face, not just in the role itself, but also challenges created by the customer. We chat about what he loves about real estate and his philosophies on what makes a great business, his darkest days, which for a while led him to not wanting to show his face in public, but also how he came out of this to walk the Kokoda track and trek to Everest Base Camp. We hear about his life from being raised early by a single mother, to meeting the man who would ultimately give him the name he cherishes, and to starting up his family business in this name and the legacy he's created for his grandchildren. Honestly, I worked for this bloke for a few years, and there's things in this chat which I learned about him for the first time, and I'm sure you'll love it. Let's get into it. G'day, g'day, welcome back to the Talk Hard Podcast. Get ready for the ride, here we go. My name's Briley. My name's Jake. My name's Penny. And this is our father, Brendan Hinkson's podcast called the Talk Hard Podcast. Yes, it is. It's not rocket science. Read the title. Oh, thanks for that, Jake. We've got some great people lined up for you guys. And we hope you enjoy. Our father will be blabbling a lot of shite. So if you do enjoy, leave a review. Like and subscribe. Grab your miso and enjoy the show. Thank you and enjoy. Righto, ladies and gentlemen, we've got an extra special treat for you today. Real pleasure to have this fella in. He's um, he's a real estate legend of the Northwest Coast. He's uh, He's been a mentor to many, um, including myself. He's a mad saint supporter, so no doubt we'll get into that at some stage. Just mad. <laughs> but he's now um, retired and um, fulfilling the, the most important roles um, in his own mind, I'm sure, which is a husband, dad, and uh, pop, Poppy, I think it is. Poppy? Yeah, Poppy. Poppy to two beautiful little girls. So, to this. Michael Burr, welcome to the Talk Hard podcast. Thanks, Brandon. Good to see you, mate. Yeah, you yeah. too, mate. How's life? Awesome. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, yep. life's, life's what you make it. Yep. So, um yeah, mate, I've, I've enjoyed myself every day. Yep. yep. So you moved into the into the grandfather poppy role now? I think I was made for it. Yep. Yeah, truly. I just love our little grandkids. Yep. And Because um, you were doing that girls. this morning, weren't you, before you yeah, came here? Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. Love, love the girls. So what's that involved for you? Every day? You... No, not every day. No, just some days. Uh, you know, just to help out uh, Carly and Ben. and Yeah, because they're busy. Carly still works in the office from time to time. Ben's got a... Pretty high-powered job, so yep. we're there a support for him. Still working in the bank, is he? Yeah, yep. yeah he still works at the bank, yeah. He's, he's very, very, very talented yep. at what he does. Excellent. Yeah. yeah, no, I know how important that is to you, mate, because, you know, in my own personal dealings with you, you know, professionally and, and personally, I know how important family is to you, so I know how much pride you take in, in fulfilling that role, and, and we will probably talk about that a lot as it goes on, but 
what I what I generally do at the start of the podcast is try to go back to the start. And for you and I, like we go back a fair way now. Yep. We do. Um, and I was only thinking the other day. I always try to remember the first time that I actually met someone. Can you actually remember when we first met? Because I think I can. You might be able to trumpet, but the the first time that I think we ever crossed paths was when your office was in Best Street next to Collins Real Estate, and yes. I was working for for Collins in Rentals. And I remember we used to share the car park out the back. That's right. And I don't know whether you remember this, but this was the first time, and I thought. I had heard about you. I think I might have even applied for a job there before, so I was a little bit intimidated. But I remember you were walking up to your car, and I was walking up to the rental car or something. I thought, no, nah, I've just got to go up and shake this bloke's hand and say good day. So I remember I put my hand out and said, good day, I'm Brendan. And I was actually just surprised at how approachable you were. I don't know what I thought I was going to gonna get, but, you know, we sat there and had a bit of a chat. I you remember know, you that. made me feel really, <laughs> really good for, about That was going to be my recollection as well. Good. That was the first time. Yeah. yeah no, I was just park. a pimply-faced 19-year-old. And <laughs> oh, mate. I wish I'd have put you on then. Nabbed <laughs> <laughs> me early. Oh. Careful what you wish for. No. <laughs> but, um, so take us back to the start, mate. So whereabouts did you grow up? Are you a Devonport boy? Born in a little place called Cremorne. Right, okay. Yeah, down yep. south of Hobart, down yep. near Clifton Beach. Yep. Yeah, and it's a little seaside fishing village down there. Yep. Yeah, I was, I was a Hobart born. Are you a fisherman? I never knew. Uh, no, I, oh, look, I love it. I think I'm, you know, like everybody thinks they're the world's best fisherman, mate. Yep. Yeah. Bit of a weekend warrior. Yeah, lots of stories. <laughs> Fish get bigger every time I tell a story. Yeah, <laughs> yep. Excellent. I love so, it. I actually bought myself a little jet ski. Yep. To go fishing on during my retirement. But yep. Don't use as much as I should. <laughs> well, you got the right spot for it, though. You wouldn't have to go very far, would no, it? No, true. We're spoiled here for water, mate. That's yeah. So how many years <clears> did you spend down there, mate? Um, moved out of there when I was about seven, seven or eight. Um, yeah, yeah, had a broken family, Yep, of course. Um, there was a lot of it around in that particular area at that stage of our lives. And, and mum, being mum and very maternal, got us out of a pretty... Bad situation. Yep. And um, so we we left Cremorne and to see what had happened out in the world. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> if she hadn't have done that, God knows what would have happened. Yep. I, I don't know because yep. there was a lot of violence involved. Okay. Yep. Yeah, I can't believe I'm actually talking about this, mate. But yeah, anyway, yeah. I, I, you, you see, you're so good, you're extracted from <laughs> right up the front. <laughs> no, man, look, it's... I don't mind talking about it because it's yep. something I don't talk a lot about. Yep. And I've kept it to myself for many, many years. But so mum was of, a single mum raising you, was she? Yeah, initially. Yep. Yeah, yeah, initially. Um, but there was a lot of violence there, and so I'm glad that she got out of that. Okay. I remember it because I've got siblings. Yep. They don't remember anything, but I do. So how old were you at the time when you left? About, I'd say about seven or eight. Yep. Yeah, and, and we went and um, moved up to a place called Campania, just up the road yep. near Richmond there. Yep. And um, then went to Sydney to stay with um, one of mum's brothers, who was a marvellous man. He took us in. And then back down to Melbourne. Yep. Yeah. And then back to Devonport from there. Yep. And I've been here ever since. Yep. Yep. So what did you do when you first come back to Devonport? How old would you have been? Uh, I was in grade five. Yep. Yeah, at Devonport Primary School. I remember going to Devonport Primary School. Under a different name, of course, than I am now. Yep. Um, went to Devonport High School in grade, I think it was grade eight. Actually changed names, which was really weird. Okay. Kids yep. sort of back then didn't really understand. Yep. So like your mother remarried? Or? Yeah, mum remarried. Okay, so that's yeah, something I, mean, I didn't know it, about. It was a great, 
guy I met a who I classed as my real father. Okay. Yeah. Buzzy. Yeah. Yep. And uh, he was a fantastic guy, and he raised us. And um, yeah, but it was just strange going from one name to another. Yep. And all the questions and bombarded. Well, what happened? You know. Yep. What? And I didn't want to talk about it. How did it feel for you? Was it something you were comfortable doing? Or Absolutely. It... Yep. Yeah. Yep. So it that... wasn't a big shock to your system. It was more no, no, people no. around you. It was just a natural progression for me. I thought, how cool is this? Yeah. You know, I'm like in a real family. Yeah. So I was, I felt pretty lucky. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. And that's, as I say, that's something that I that I didn't know. And obviously, you know, the the burn name now is synonymous with real estate. It's such a, and, and I'll say it because you won't, such a famous name in Devonport, but I never knew that that wasn't your maternal name. No. If that, if that makes sense. No, so, it wasn't. No, it's, okay. but, um, and that, that led into other things. I mean, obviously, Buzzy wanted to adopt the four kids. Yep. Well, three of us at that point. And um, so, but I was too old. So I actually couldn't be legally adopted. Okay. Under his name. Yep. So we just had my name changed by Deepole. Okay. And the Burr. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, and I always felt a little bit disappointed about that. Yep. You know, that I really didn't sort of. I belonged. Yeah. Of course I did. But you weren't legally adopted. Legally adopted. Yeah. And I wanted okay. to be. Yeah. And the judge ruled that I was too old. Yeah, right. Go back to that because that's where my drive came from. Yep. In life. I wanted to be so part of that family that that was when my family came along, I wanted to instill that sense into them that I was um, starting my own branch of the family. Yep. Get that oh, yeah. didn't, didn't, no, no, didn't that, explain that too well, but well that's how any, I felt. For anyone that knows you, that'll make a hundred percent sense because they know how family oriented you are and you know yeah. how much you put value into your family. Yeah. So, wanted yeah. to be something. Yep. You know what I mean? Wanted wanted to leave a legacy yep. for my kids. Yep. Yeah. And I know that, you know, obviously you you had a successful real estate career and we'll lead up to that, but what did you do first? You you have told me briefly about a few little different jobs that you oh. had. I remember you telling me a job something about lifting big drums onto the back of trucks oh, or something mate, like that. That was my very first job when I was still at high school. Yeah. Um, down at the the um, Ampole Depot run by the, the boys family. Yep. And uh I used to go down there after school paint petrol drums. Yep. Um and they had all these big 44s. There was different weights, different. Some of them were very heavy steel drums. And my job was to paint the silver, put the Ampole logo on it, and paint the tops. Yep. And I got so good at it. Like I was only a midget. I mean, yep. I was lucky to be 68 kilos ring and wet. Yep. And I could roll these big 44 gallon drums around with one hand. Yep. And around the depot and load them on the trucks. Full, yeah, on the back of trucks, use them in knee and counterbalance. Yep, so I can do all that the technique to get them up yeah. there. Yeah. My first nickname came from that job. Yep, Chuck. Chuck them on. No, he said Chuck the paint on. Oh right, <laughs> <laughs> the old boys gave yeah. you that one, did they? Yeah, Chuck. Yep, that was a funny place to work. Yeah, and I was just the butt of many jokes there. I can tell you now. Yep. So yeah. you're working there while you're still at high school. Yeah, right? yeah. Yep. Used to ride my bike down there and yeah, paint petrol drums. A good bit of money. Yeah, you know, saved up. Cash from your first car. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Buzzy was very big on on me learning as many skills as I could. Yep. I got a job also at the same time uh, at the Caldex service station up here in Fourways. Yep. Timmy Moncrief's service station used yeah. to go there sometimes after school. Yep. Pumping petrol. Yep. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. and changing, learn how to change tyres and. Yep. Yeah, that was a cool job. I really enjoyed that one. So when you left school then, did you go into a job there or did you go into something Yeah, else? I did. I got um, a job out at Norton Harvesters. Yep. Um, as a fitter, working out there on the big pea harvesters. Yep. Which was 
a real eye-opener for me, working in a massive, great workshop with so many people. Yeah. Once again, being the butt of many jokes. <laughs> I think it makes <laughs> you fit of, in, though, doesn't oh, it? <laughs> some of the things that went on in that place are unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. A lot, a lot of fun. Yeah, because I was only 17. Yeah. You know, and a you know, shed full of grown men and yeah. Yeah, being the, the rat around the place. Yeah. Yeah, yep. hair, hair halfway down my back. And... <laughs> Toughened you up pretty quickly. It already. did. Yeah, yeah a, little, a lot of life skills. Yeah. Actually, and then we'd go out into the into the harvesting side and the paddocks and be out there until 2 o'clock in the morning. Yep. Some sometimes it was like you had to be back in the paddock by four o'clock. Yeah, right. To eh? fulfil the edgels plant with their quota. Yep. So um, instead of going back to the caravan park, say at Deloraine, I just go to one of the farmers into the barns and sleep sleep in the barn. Pull yep. up some straw and sleep a couple of hours. <laughs> just do what you got to yeah, do. Yeah, absolutely. Just get a couple of hours sleep in there. Yeah. Instead of going back, having an hour sleep, then back again. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So um, you eventually became a fireman, is that right? That's yes. right. Yep. So After where did that come about? Well, Dad, Buzzy was a fiery. Yep. Yeah, at um, Devonport Airport. And um, job came up there, as most um, fiery sons do. They follow the dads into um, into the job, and I became an aviation firefighter, which I was stuck at for about 16 years. Yep. Yeah, went to Melbourne for a couple of years. Yep. And... Um, but during that time, Devonport closed down. They took the fire service away from me. Okay, yeah. Yeah, but um, Melbourne Tullamarine Airport was a big, big station, 16 people on a shift. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, night shift, which yep. I had never actually done night shift before. Yep. So that was an eye-opener for me. Mm. Takes a bit of getting used to, doesn't well, it? Well, it's a very busy airport. Yeah. You know, and I was stationed over at what they called the satellite station over at the terminal. Yep. So there was lots of um, uh, first aid call-outs there. Because there was no paramedics at Tullamarine at that point. So you did the lot, did you? We did the lot. Yeah. The fireys were first aid. Yeah. So if there was a first aid incident, they'd call us out. Yep. It was interesting because being a surf lifesaver, all the guys and crew knew that. If there was a heart attack or something like that, they'd handball it straight to me. Yeah, right. Ash. Come on. So quite often I'd be resuscitating people at the bottom of escalators. And yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Do you ever have any sort of major hair-raising incidents with people? Or? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. At Tullamarine, for yep. sure. Yeah, there was, um, I'll never forget, there was one, I think she was a Greek lady, old lady. She um, had a massive heart attack in the terminal. And so we got to work. One of the hosties, I think, one of the stewardesses from ANSET gave me a hand. Yeah, and she did the, compressions and we took it in turns for about three quarters of an hour until the ambulance came. Yeah. And she survived. Yeah. Yeah, which were pretty chuffed about. I reckon, yeah. yeah. Pretty hair raising in, the, in that time before you know, was. help arrived. It was. Yeah. But you, once, once you're taught to do those sort of things, that's what I love about the surf lifesaving side of things. Yeah. You taught that stuff as a kid. Yeah. You never forget it. So it was something that you've always been into, your surf lifesaving? You got into that at a young age? Yeah, yeah, about, yeah about 16, yep. 17. Yep. Yeah. I was approached to, to go down and be a bit of a beach sprinter. Yeah. It was pretty slippery back in the day. And um, so I loved that. I sort of did that for about 40 odd years. Yep. Yeah. Do you still have any involvement with the club? Or? Oh, slight. Yep. Slight, slight involvement. Probably like to do more down the track. Um, it's very close to my heart. I love the Devonport Surf Lifesaving Club. And, yep. Yeah, and it's been mostly been about the people for me. Yep. You know, people come and go. Yeah. And sense of community. Absolutely. Yeah. And the job they do down there, patrolling the beaches, and, and it's it's fantastic. So, but surf lifesaving as a whole, 
around Australia is it's world renowned mm. for its community service. Yeah, mm. no, they're pretty high quality, and you need them. Oh, <laughs> absolutely! It's not just for the patrol of beaches; for other things they do as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, so while you're over in Melbourne, it was that. Is it true that that's when you got into foster caring? Was that right? No, we actually started that here. But right. we did, we did that in Melbourne. Yeah. But we actually started that here. A lot of people don't know this about Helen and I, especially Helen. But we um worked in a we ran a family group home here mm. in Devonport. Yep. And Helen, being the, the kind-hearted person she is, kids just sort of flock to her. Yep. Doesn't matter where you are, children. Where you are in the world. Kids will go up to Helen. Yep. She's got this magnetism with children. Yep. And they just love her. So I've um, seen that with my own kids too, bringing them in the office. Yeah, <laughs> mate. She's just got this knack. Yep. You know, the kids just love her. Yeah. Anyway. And, and um, she ran this family group home here in Devonport while I still worked at the fire service yep. out at Devonport Airport. And um, so I think we had something like, oh, look, I, I could be wrong, but it was, it was about 200 children in care over the period of time yep and then well Helen was offered a job in um, Melbourne and we went over did a couple of interviews and and I could have got a transfer very easily to Tullamarine Airport which I did Mm -hmm. so we thought oh we'll go and try our hand over there totally different world Mm. like the job that Helen did here was sort of more innocent the kids here were more the children Melbourne the street kids in Melbourne were totally different bit of a harder edge a lot harder edge and more of a uh, a dramatic background with their families yep. than here. Yep. You know, yeah. Did you get a bit of a background on them before they'd come to you? Yeah, we did. Yep. Um, we did. But it just, Helen was just amazing at it. Yep. And like really hardened street kids and she'd have a mate out of her hand within hours. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Obviously, we have always keep in mind that they're our own two kids. Yep. You know, we're sharing our lives with, with other children as well. Yep. That was very difficult. Um, and that got harder in Melbourne. Um, and when we got to the point where Carly was going to high school, we sort of made a decision, look, enough's enough. We can't keep doing this anymore. We've got to um, change. We, we can't put our kids through this day in, day out anymore. Okay. Because yep. it was having an effect on them. Yep. And so we'd made a decision that we'd, we'd move out of Melbourne. Because Melbourne's a hard city to live in. Yep. Very, very difficult yeah. city to live in just to get around. I think Helen did a, a school run every morning. It took about four hours. Bloody hell. By the time <laughs> she took all the different kids, because they never went to the same school. Yeah. And then our kids and... went to a different school. Yeah. So she was, she was just driving around the northern suburbs yeah. all morning. Go home, have lunch, and then go back and pick them up. Yeah. Yeah, no, it'd be pretty hectic, wouldn't it? Yeah, road rage was <laughs> life at will, mate. I can tell you that now. <laughs> I reckon. <laughs> I do have a quick little story about your time in Melbourne. I need you to... Um, to confirm or deny whether this happened, that apparently while you're over there, their rubbish bins gave you a little bit of um, gave you a little bit of grief from time to time. Do you want to tell us a bit of a story about that? I think it involved takeaway. How did you hear about that? Can't reveal my sources. Oh mate, well, this is you're a big story. name in this no, People no. generally know who's going to be on, and the stories come thick and fast. You're throwing me under the bus here, but anyway, <laughs> oh look, I'll tell the story. We had this Tarago van, mm-hmm. and on Friday night it was takeaway night, so we had all the kids. From the, from the group home and our kids and we thought go and get takeaway so I can't remember whose turn it was but they nominated Hungry Jacks so we brought down a Broadie down a Broad Meadows go to the Hungry Jacks and we're lined up in the queue and uh, I get to the the speaker box there and I put the whole order through because Helen was reading it out to me and it, 
took about 10 minutes by the time we got enough food for all the kids. <laughs> anyway, and I was, and I, nobody was talking back to me. And I'm going, hello, are you there? And then I looked up the laneway to where the the box was from where they hang out the window to give you the food. And there's three heads poking out there all laughing their heads off at me. <laughs> And so they sort of waved me up and I went up and they said, you've been talking in the rubbish bin for the last five minutes, not the speaker box. So I gave me one to the, to the rubbish tins. Yeah. Didn't get the same result as talking oh, to a human mate, being. The kids never let me live it down. I don't reckon. Nah. That's awesome. Yeah, only I could do something like that. Yeah. Oh, it's character building, mate. It is. I'm sure you wouldn't, wouldn't be the only person that's done it. Mate, you've got to we'll laugh We'll say that yourself. anyway. You've got to laugh at yourself. <laughs> you do. Life's too short, isn't it? Uh, so from Melbourne, then back to back to Tassie. Back, back to Tassie. Yep. Yeah, um, that was a. Would actually, actually prior to that, we'd actually bought a house in Warrnambool. Okay, we went for a family joint. Just Helen and the two kids and I went down to yep. family down that way. So we went to Warrnambool and we drove around. What a great little city this is! We loved it there, and um, spent the weekend down there. And thought, you know what? I could live here. This this is fantastic. Yep. Spur of the moment, when bought this brand new spec home down at Warnable. Beautiful little house too, it was. Yep. And um, I thought, oh, yeah, I could get a job down here, you know. They'd, I'd worked with Armour Guard previously in, back in Devonport back in the day. Yep. Um, part-time. And so I thought, oh, no, I'll get a job down here. Not a problem at all. And uh, so we bought this house, back up to Melbourne to pack up to move down to uh, Warnable. And then I was sitting over a drink there one night, and, I was, and she said, what is it about Warnable? Really, that, and I said, well, it reminds me so much of Devonport. Mm. And then it struck. I said, well, why don't we just go home? Yep. So, so we made the decision there over a couple of drinks to yeah. come back to Devonport instead yep. of going where we just bought this brand new house. <laughs> <laughs> Call a home was too strong. Yeah. So we we came back to Devonport, put the house in Waterville on the mark without ever living in it. Yep. And um, yeah, and and settled down here again. Yeah. Where we knew everyone. Yeah. That's where, you know, like our friends, our best friends in the world were living here. Yep. So it was um, more of a network, yep. you know, for me to try to get a job again because the fire that had gone. Yep. I'd got a redundancy package out of Melbourne and and um, and took that because they were starting to lay people off. Yeah, okay. Right around the country. Yep. And um, so I grabbed one of those, which was a financially very good decision by us. Yep. Because the, the tax incentives were fantastic. And it gave us a real leg up early. Yep. So um, we had no hesitation doing that. And come back home, and it was the best thing we ever did. Yep. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So did you? Was it? Did real estate start pretty much when you came back, no. or did you do something else first? <laughs> no, I, I actually worked at Denport City Council for a little while. Right, okay. Yeah. That's right, on the parking meters. On the parking meters, yes. mate. Yeah, yep, I was I the, that. Yeah, I was the worst looking parking meter didn't put whatever had. <laughs> meet a mate. Meet a mate that didn't put whatever had. No. Didn't show enough leg, mate. No, oh, look, and that was just a means to an end. I thought hopefully this will be a leg into something better within council somewhere. Yep. Um, but it, it never actually got to that because real estate popped up in the meantime. Yep. Yeah. Is it true, though, that somebody saw you dealing with people, um, yeah. giving them parking tickets, yeah. and they were that impressed with how you'd make them smile even though yep. you were booking them? That's part. That's, that they that, gave you a job? Yeah, Is that that's, right? that's partly true. Yeah. Yeah, that was part of the. The thing, and I saw the job advertised, and thought, you know, I'm going to have a go at that. Yep. And um, and the boss at Roberts at the time, he um, he said, you'd be fantastic. 
said, you've got a great way with people. Yep. And I took to it like a duck to water. Yep. I was like, how good is this? You know, helping people out and getting paid for it. Like, I just couldn't believe it. Yep. So it didn't take you long to sort of get your head around and get first into the First job, sub, first property. Yep. Yeah, a little, I'll never even forget it. It was out of Dumbleton Street at um, Hawley Beach. Hawley, yeah. Yeah, right. a little yep. unit out there. First day on the job on a Saturday. That's when I started. Yep. And I sold the property straight away. First one I showed. Yep. And I thought, how unbelievable was this? Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't great money to start, but um, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Enjoyed the people aspect of it. Yeah. Yeah, and getting out and about. Really impressed, mate. Yeah. So, at what at what point did you realise that you wanted to open your own then and work for yourself? Well, that, that's funny because that was instilled into me basically during the interview. Okay. Yeah. The, the boss at Roberts, he said to me, he said, "You've got the sort of personality that one day he said, oh, we'll, we'll be sitting here and you'll be running your own agency." Okay. Yep. And I really, so that always stuck in the back of my mind. Yep. That one day that's something I'd like to do, but then the 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 world opened up, things happened. When you put yourself in a position and you take a chance in life, doors open. Um, I went to Webster's after a few years, oh, after about five years at Roberts, which I really loved. I really loved working there and the great people. They were an awesome company to work for. Mm-hmm. Um, I was made an offer by another company, which I really didn't want to take. So I went to Roberts and I said, Look, I don't expect you to match what they've given me, but I want to stay. You know, I really don't want to make this move because I'm pretty loyal. Um, anyway, they basically said, look, go. It's too good an opportunity. That's how good that Roberts were. Yeah, they right. said, no, you go. Yep. Um, you know, and it might open up a few things for you. And I've got a, I've got a car. I think it was one of the first real estate people in the state to actually get a, a car, free phone. Yep. Had some actual perks thrown at me. Yeah, which, big incentives. That mate, well, I couldn't believe it. Yep. It just didn't happen back in those days. Money for advertising, and I'm going, gee, this is unreal. Mm. And um, so I was there for a little while, and an opportunity popped up to actually buy Webster Real Estate because they were closing down their, their real estate arm. Um, they're a great company too, great agricultural company, mm. you know, but they wanted to focus on more of the agricultural yeah, side yeah. than the real estate side. And um, so I um, jumped in and bought Webster Real Estate. Yeah, yeah, and that's how it started for us. Yeah, yeah. They didn't, they didn't have a very big rent roll or anything like. We sold the rent roll off. We didn't want to do rentals at that point in time. I was really going well at the sales side of things, and so um, we um, sold the rent roll on, which cashed us up to buy the actual business, all the stock and the the plant equipment. Mm-hmm. Um, we were down there in Brook Street. But then an opportunity came up to what you said before about we went up to Best Street. Yeah, yeah. Next to um, Collins Real Estate. Yep. And uh, obviously Geraldine Shane was the landlord um, and she ran a very, very good business. Uh, she was a great business person, yep. Geraldine. Yep. A lot of respect for her. Um, and we stayed there for a little while, but ran seven days. That was our first thing. We, we realised straight up front, if we're going to be business people, that we had to be different. And I mean, make a real difference. Mm. Not just nine to five, five days a week, shut the door on weekends like everybody else is doing. We had to, we had to do something different. Yep. Uh, otherwise, we were just going to get swallowed up and wouldn't survive. Um, then we had a chance meeting with um, people from the Gemman Group. You know, Neil Gemman is a bit of a real estate guru around the country. Very controversial figure. 
Um, he had some wonderful ideas about how to treat people and how to run your business and had an actual business model. So when I saw, and we actually went to a seminar of his, Helen tapped me on the arm. We were sitting there together at the, this conference in Noosa of all places. Mm. I'd never been to Noosa before. Mm. <laughs> Beautiful spot. Mate, it was very unsettling. I could have, <laughs> I could have stayed there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and we just said, I think we can have a go at this. We love this. We just love the, the theory behind it and the and how it's all about the consumer first, which it always sort of done anyway. Yep. Real estate, to me, has never been about what I could get out of it. It's never about money. I learned that from very, very early days. It's not about what I can get. It's about what you do for people. If you do the right thing, you get a reward. Yep. That was the philosophy. And that was basically the... the underpinning element of the of the German system was that consumer protection. So that really attracted us. Yep. So we went down that track. Took off like we couldn't believe. It, it stunned us at how popular it was. Yep. People liked the, People liked the way the you went about it. You did with no advertising costs or you don't pay us anything unless there's a job, job's done and, and you're happy with what, what you get. Um, so that that was very powerful. So much so that we thought we'd, we're going to expand, we're going to build our own building. Yep. Um, and I'd had a, a few inside information about what was going on in Old Acre Street at yep. that point. So what year would this have been around about? About 1999. Yep. 2000. Um, when we bought Webster's, um, stayed up at the street up next to Collins there for a couple, as Michael Burr Real Estate. We actually changed the Webster name to Michael Burr Real Estate. Yep. Um, and had a good personal following. So even though we're only a small agency, we were going very well on just the number of sales that I that I could personally generate. Yep. Um, look, I was doing I think I was about sixteen sales a month on average. No vendor paid advertising. Yep. Our agency taking the risk. And it was just you selling, was just it? Just me selling the yep. start. Yep. And we're doing very well, very nicely. Thank you very much. But uh, the system prompted us to to expand. Okay. Put more people on. Yep. And that's where it started. We thought we've got to, you know, it's going to remain to the brand if I keep working 13, 14 hours a day, every, gonna, every day. I was going to ask you about that. What were the early oh, days like? I know right. you put in a lot of hours. A lot of hours. Yep. I'd be sitting in people's houses at 11 o'clock at night. Yep. I, I wouldn't have dinner with my family. And at that stage, I was missing out too because, like, you know, Jared was a very good junior athlete. Mm. Good cyclist. As, absolutely. Yeah. And into everything. I mean, he was into. So I think that one particular year, he made four state teams. State basketball, state surf life saving, state cross country in the cycling. Yep. All in one year. And I was, wow. I had to work till 11 o'clock at night just to support us. Mm, yeah. <laughs> All the equipment. But, you know, good idea. But I missed out a lot of that. Yeah. Because I was, I was working. Yeah. You know, and I was, I was hell bent on, on, on making something for the family. And, uh, so, you had to go and do it. If you had a buyer back in those days, you didn't want to let them out of your sight. Yeah. One as a, as as to do the right thing by them, so they could secure the home that they loved, and and most importantly, to get the job done for the vendors. Mm. So I would always make sure that I sat in front of the both vendors. If it was a husband and wife, I'd make sure they're both there together, not just one or the other. Um, sometimes you couldn't do that until. 
after they'd fed their families. Mm. Put them to bed. Put them to bed. Yep. And only you'd go around and sometimes you'd sit down and have a, a coffee and a biscuit or you might even have a beer yep. with them. That's the sort of relationship you, you, you grew mm. with your vendors. Yeah. And that's what I loved about it was the relationship aspect. You made friends yep. out of it. And I was some of the people who sold way back in the day were still great mates. Yeah. So you actually build relationships. Mm, wasn't just a business transaction. No, never, yep. never. And that's what I say. It was not about the money. It's about the helping people first. Yeah. The, your number one priority back, well, not back then, still is today and always will be. It should be you're, you're so strongly tied to your vendors. They're the ones at the end of the day who will put food on your table. Mm. But you have to do the right thing by them. Yep. If you haven't got that chemistry, it doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah, no, you, you can't ignore them. I um obviously I had the pleasure of working for you for you did, about, mate. about oh. four years, and and it was honestly it was probably the most enjoyable time that I'd had in real estate. You know, I've I've, I've worked for other people, and I'm I'm still good friends with people that I, I work for. But just I think it was just around your philosophies because I was sort of similarly aligned. I was never one that wanted to sell, sell, sell at all costs. I was more no. about trying to do the right thing and to actually come into an office where that was your motto. I remember times when we would turn a deal down Absolutely. because it wasn't the right thing to do. Absolutely. Um, and that was just unheard of for me, but it, it made me go home at night thinking we've just done the right thing. You Absolutely. Know, this wouldn't have ended well. No. Whereas some other people have tried to get you to, to push it through. So, And at the same time, I don't know whether or not it was because I was experienced and the guys ever experienced, but you just sort of left us to do our thing, which was good. We weren't sort of micromanaged or you, weren't, you no. were there if we needed you. Yeah. Um, and a lot of the time we did bloody need you, don't get me wrong, but we never felt like you were looking over our shoulder either. And I think you just having that faith in your staff, it was, it was really good. Like, and we, I think we really grew in that. Absolutely. That was a, a, a planned strategy from us. Yep. Um, I decided once the team grew to a certain level and we had the right people in place, that was not my role to compete against you guys. Yep. So I actually stopped selling personally yeah because i didn't think it was right that here i've got these really terrific people working for us um and then me taking the cream off the top yeah by, by competing against you i didn't want to do that so that's why i left you to yourself yeah um there was a mentor of course and to to, to oversee that everything was being run okay mm. but having the faith in you guys because you believed in the system so much that you just go out and do do what you had to do yeah and 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 you guys were had the same philosophy as I did. You're all good, good-hearted people, and there was not a deal if it wasn't done right. Uh, if it wasn't done right, you wouldn't do it. No, it wasn't right for everybody, mm. and I don't. And everybody didn't include us. Yep. It's if it wasn't right for the vendor or the or the buyer, you walk away from it. Yeah, yep. it's not about the money. Yeah. No, like I say, it's just a really comfortable environment to be in. And I remember I only I only got to work with Fipsy for twelve months, but I quite often catch up with him for a beer and Leo yeah, Leo come you, along too. Huge along people, I don't know. <laughs> We've got to stick together. Yeah. Um but the amount of stories that we can tell, we always shake our head and say, We only work together for twelve months because we it's like we've got ten years worth of stories just from that twelve months that we had. Yeah. Just the you know, the stupid fun that we used to have. A lot of fun, and, wasn't it? Yeah, and you know, just on air caravans and trips and yeah. some of it. And Lee as well, like, you know, because Lee's obviously such a good character as yeah. well. It's just, I think, I don't know, it's probably the most most fun that I've ever had in real estate. Yeah, I um, mean, I'll go back and look at those, back to those 
case, was U3 specific, uh, specifically, uh, it all had young families. You all wanted to achieve something. You, We just opened the doors and our, and our arms to you and brought you in, into the family as such and let you do what you wanted to do. Mm. And the other yeah. good thing about it was, though, that we became mates through you the did. business. Which Absolutely. Not, I don't know there's a lot of agencies that they wouldn't be in a little bit of competition with each other. I don't think that we ever had a had a disagreement with who's buyers this or who's that. You know, we'd always just sit down. And we even got to the point, as I say, with, with Fipsy, we only worked with, with, this has been Fipsy we're talking about, yep. for, for 12 months. So Lee Shaw and I, we, we continued on. And again, because you let us do it our way, we'd get to the point where, if I'd shown a buyer a property on a Friday and Lee was working on a Saturday, he'd do a second inspection for me, so I'd, so I'd get the break, and and vice versa. You know, there was no competition there. And as I said, I think that was a testament just to the the officers' philosophies of right. You guys do it how you want to do it, but you wanted us to be comfortable as well. Absolutely, and yeah. and that was part of the strategy. Yeah, that's why and a lot of people don't know this. Yeah, um, but we pay our staff. Even way when we first started, we, we pay our staff a salary to look after them, and that's non-refundable. Um, but we wanted to pay a salary so that, that our, the, our staff were, were fundamentally looked after financially. It didn't have to rely on, on sales to make to put food on your family's tables. Mm. So we, we paid a salary. That cost the agency, but it was the right thing to do because it took away the competition. Yeah. Exactly what you just said a minute ago. Um, you didn't have to knife each other on the back to get a deal done. You were, it, it created harmony and it created um, a genuine helpfulness amongst each other mm. with the ultimate goal of looking after our vendors. Yep. I think that, that came across really well when, obviously, I came to you because the previous agency that I was working with had, had closed down. And I think, I don't know whether I contacted you or you contacted no, me, I, but remember you came around and actually I met did. with us here. Yeah. I, remember, I remember fondly. And... Um, yeah, I remember after you left, like, I knew you, but obviously my wife had never met you no, before, no. and she just said, no, you've got to go there. And I think it was because you guys were a little bit different. Like, I used to always love just the quirky things, like, I've never been a suit and tie man. I've no. never been comfortable in that, and I think you guys were the first ones that yep. did away with that to a certain extent. Yeah, went to the uniform with the polos and yeah. the branding. Yeah, yeah. and the yep. jackets and, and yep. that sort of thing, like the, you know, the not the dressy jackets, the, I suppose, the more tazzy type jackets. Well, mate, I didn't like getting dressed up in a penguin suit. yeah. I didn't like sitting in front of vendors at night with a tie, with a tie and a suit yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to be more natural. Yeah. So I think we went off to one of those big conventions once, and um, Adrian Mann and Fipsy, all those guys were working with us, and I think we had a team of about five or six people at that point. Yeah. So we, we went off to this big convention in Melbourne, and I said to the guys, we're going to wear polos, dark pants, a black polo with their logo on it. Yep. We walked into the foyer and every, everybody was just astounded. We were like, look at these. And every, all the other salespeople, it was about 600 people in yeah. the auditorium, they were came joking. up and said, yeah, how did, how, did, how, did you let you, how did your boss let you get away with that? And everybody else was dressed up in their suits. And they said, well, have a look at him. He's over there. <laughs> he's, he's dressed the same way as we are. Yeah, Because yeah. that's what I was comfortable with. That started a, a, a mass. The next year, we went to the same convention the year after. I reckon 70% of the auditorium were dressed the same as us. Yeah. More casual. Yeah. It broke down a lot of barriers. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, things always have to evolve, don't they? And you find they that do. there are a lot of agencies now that, you know, dress a little bit more casual. You know, still smart, but 
Yeah. Probably not the, the penguin suit as no, you No, yeah. no, and people are more comfortable. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Um, so with working for you as well, like you're, we always felt too that your staff become like your family over time. We, um, we wanted that. Yeah, and I remember when I actually left, I was quite um, taken back by your response and it took me a little while to, it took me a little while to sort of process it, but I realised that it was because it's like losing a family member for you. Yeah. It wasn't, you know, I've obviously you know, given notice to people before and that sort of thing and they're like, you know, shake their hand, yep, wish you all the best and all this sort of stuff, but you were genuinely hurt, oh, mate. as in, not mad at me, no, but no, you no. were hurt because you were like, was losing, losing a member of your family. <laughs> yeah. Mate, that's what happens. Yeah, you know, it, it shocked me to be honest, like it, oh, it really mate, did. When you own a business, if, if the owner of the business doesn't give their heart and soul to the staff and and buy into the staff emotionally, it's never going to work. Yeah. That's the, that's the one thing I learned. Your staff have got to know that you love them, genuinely, not just on a false way. Um, and we genuinely love our staff. Even the team we've got together now, we love them. Yeah. Not, not a big team by any stretch of the means. But they work so well together mm. because they've got the support. They've got. They know that we love them. Yep. Mm. Excellent. And so you've always been passionate. And I remember um, when I was working for other agencies, when I was in management. You know, occasionally <laughs> you'd ring me up because one of my staff probably wasn't doing the right thing, and it was always I was always stuck in no man's land because one, I had to sort of stick up for my staff a yep. little bit, but then I also had to deal with you with a full head of steam, mate. But. It was actually one that I thought, no, I don't know if this management cave is for me, but it was it was interesting then when I came over to Michael Burr Real Estate, we used to line up outside your door when you were having a Barney with someone on the phone because it was so entertaining. <laughs> you just didn't take any crap from anyone, oh, especially mate. when you know you didn't suffer fools, which we really liked. No, I didn't. And and you had had to be saying, because I wasn't selling, Yep. my role was to, to support everybody that worked with us, the family, support the family. Yep. And to go in the battle for them. If, if, if I knew that you guys had done the right thing, I'd support 100%. It'd be different if they didn't, if the staff didn't do the wrong, the yeah. right thing. If yep. they done the wrong thing, we'd wear it. Yep. And you, and you fix it. You don't just wipe it under the carpet. Yeah. You deal with it. Yeah. Just as a side thing, sorry, I'll let you keep going, but I remember that was another thing. I remember that there'd be a number of times when I'd go into your office and say, I think I've cocked this up. I just need to let you know. Yeah. Let's, how do we work through this? You know, and then, but yeah. I think the other guys were like that too, though. They oh, everybody they was. Approach it. We weren't trying to, you know, cover our tracks. And no, sometimes no. You, you you can double the, the issue by doing that. We'd come to you and say, oh, I don't know how this is going to go or whatever. And we'd come up with our way that we're going to work through we'll it. Work through it. Well, I'd go on the wall path and found out that somebody had done the wrong thing and hadn't fessed up. Yep. I couldn't handle that. Yep. You know, we were so open and honest and we expected that honesty. Mm. And you guys were that honest. And if, if there's something hadn't gone right, you come we we talk about mm. it. You come and tell me. And people are only human. I don't think Absolutely real estate agents get a lot of credit for that. You know, no. obviously we do make mistakes, but you know, in my time and the people that I worked with, you're always trying to do the right thing, but there's sort of a very negative perception out there when a real estate agent does make a mistake that it was preempted or you know there's something going on behind closed no. doors and that sort of thing. Usually, it's if things go wrong. It's sort of out of the the consultant's hands. You know, there's a lot of things that can go wrong. Finance, valuations, lawyers, vendors, and the purchasers themselves. Yep. 
you know, there's a lot of in-between scenarios that um, don't always go right. Mm. But nobody should miss out financially. And I don't mean the agent. If anything does go wrong, it should be the agent that misses out financially. Yep. If the agent's done the wrong thing. Yep. And um, we've always been very aware of that, still to this day. Yep. Once again, I'll harp back. It's not about the money. Yep. Yep. But yep. Um. Obviously, you know, we t- we touched on it, but it's not an easy job, real estate, is it? No. I think that that that's part of the reason why I love getting people on here from different walks of life. And I had an umpire, Phil McCulloch, on two weeks ago, just yeah, to get his perspective on what it's like to be an umpire. Yeah, enjoyed Phil's. Completely yep. different field, but a lot of people wouldn't know the amount of crap that real estate agents uh-huh. have to go through. And you know, there's this perception, and and sometimes. There are, it's like any walk of life, there are shonky people out there, but unfortunately, a lot of real estate agents, they were all tarred with the same brush of, you know, Joe blowing the public. A lot of the time, we'd be the ones to be getting lied to and Absolutely. mucked around, things like that, but that'd never be mentioned. It was always no. the agent with a copper bad rap. Yeah, look, it, it, it comes back down to the trust. Right? And I'll, I'll go back to it again. It's about the relationships that you build. Sometimes you'll go and sit in someone's lounge and you get a feeling, hang on, something's not quite right here. Not listening to what I'm saying. They're not appreciating. And I don't mean expertise because we're not experts. If anybody calls himself an expert in any industry, oh, that's a bit far-fetched. Mm. We're, 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 we're advisors. We, we, we're helpers. We help people. Yep. Um, but it's about building relationships. And if you feel as though there's something not quite right, this is early on in the process, in a presentation, you have the right as, as a consultant, and I've always put, instilled this, you can walk away from it. It's okay. It's all. It's better to leave somebody, if you feel, oh, I'm not going to be able to work with these people, mm. or they're not going to be able to work with me, for whatever reason, if it's the trust's not there, you leave it. You yep. walk away from it. You're better off doing that than taking on that relationship and it going south and yep. becoming sour. Yep. It doesn't work. It just doesn't work. You're better off walking away from the business. Yeah. And that was another thing, you know, I know we would have had a couple of conversations, not many, but occasionally we would walk into your office and say, look, I've done this appraisal for this guy. Look, just didn't connect on any level no. with him. I don't think that's going to end well. One, he probably we're probably too far away on price and things like that. Yep. And again, you would not out a way to respectfully say, look, we're probably not for you. Yeah. Which again was something that I'd never experienced before. It was yeah. right. Well, you need to go in with this <laughs> spiel or um, no. scripts and dialogues, all that sort of people stuff. People see through that. Though. Yeah. Yep. You know, most people out there would see through that. Yep. Um, people aren't stupid. Um, so the thing about vent the relationship between a vendor and, a, and an agent, though, is about expectation. If if we can't as as real estate agents if we can't live up to the expectations of the vendor we probably shouldn't be there mm. you've got to live up to your own expectations you're the one that's done the study you're the one that's knowledgeable in the field you're the one that does the research on on what prices are how much the land's worth what a house is worth dollar value per square meter you're in front of it every day you're the you're the, you're the person with the knowledge sometimes you'll sit there and a vendor won't agree with you. And that's fine. If they think their house is worth more, um, that's fine. But if they, if that, you then have the decision to make as an agent whether, gee, do I take it on at that price or don't I? 
I've always had the belief if it's too far outside, don't take it. Let it go. Yep. Because it's only going to end in tears. Yep. Someone's going to get hurt. And it's usually the agent. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so you're living up to their expectations, not what the market might say. Yeah. Which is your own expectation. Yeah. Yeah. Can you do any sort of stories come to mind? You don't have to name names or years or anything like that, but some of the oh. challenging transactions that you'd had? Like, oh, it, generally they're the ones that jump out first, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, it's, it's funny you say that. I mean, you, you quite often you're driving around and you say, oh, I sold that house. Yeah. You know, like, probably sold thousands yep. over the years. Um, and you, you think of the stories. Some of the vivid ones are the ones where you know you've gone in, you've given a price, um, and the vendor expectation is higher than what we might say. Mm-hmm. And so you take it on at their price. You market the property. You spend the agency's money because we don't do vendor paid advertising. You market the property. You try your hardest. You introduce people to the property and you get an offer. And the offer's generally around about where the consultant... Where you thought it was going to be. be. So you present that to the owners and they reject it. Then you don't get any more offers. Because the people, the buyers, know what the market's doing. Yeah, you're sure you're going to get some buyers that will will try to steal properties and and offer under. But what I was taught you guys was you don't even even take those offers unless it's going to come to a better price to your expectations again. Why waste people's time? You've got to protect the the, the seller's price. Yep. But if you get a good offer and you know it's it's a good offer and the owner rejects it, once again that's a potential ending tier scenario mm. because the relationship breaks down between the, the vendor and the agent. The vendor always blames the agent, and then they take it somewhere else, and then it sells for exactly the same price. Sometimes even under. Mm what your initial offer was. That's mm. heartbreaking. Yep. That destroys your soul when that happens because yep. you weren't... I always used to feel as though I wasn't good enough to to instill my expectations onto those owners. Mm. And there'd be thousands of stories of that. Oh, that's so common, isn't it? I don't think people Common, common, that. common, mate. Yeah. Yeah, it is. That's the biggest thing. Yep. People's expectations. And look, and that's okay. We always want the most... You know, everybody. Doesn't matter if you're selling a car. Doesn't matter if you're selling something on eBay or mm. or or on Facebook, buy and sell. Doesn't matter what it is. We always want as much as we can get. Mm. It's the same thing with the houses. Yeah. But there's got to be a common denominator. There's got to be an expectation that's right. Yeah. And it's usually the agents are pretty right. So, what are some of the great things about it? What do you love about it? The people. Yeah. Always been about the people. Yeah. It didn't always. take you long to answer. Did no, it? <laughs> no, mate. It, it is. It's just, it's, there's no better feeling in the world than when it comes together and everybody's expectations are met. Yep. If you can go over the vendor's expectations. Yeah, yep. That's a buzz, isn't it? Which we used to encourage yep. with you guys. When you do better than what they expect, that's just the best feeling. Yep. You know? And they're happy. They recommend it to other people. And that's it's a they feel good stories. Yeah. And that's what keeps your business self perpetuating. Yeah. You don't have to spend a thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on pushing yourself as an agent. In major newspapers or, or T V or radio. You don't have to do that. Yeah. 
if you do the right thing by people, they'll, they'll tell other people. Absolutely. Yep. What did you, I know you'd, you'd probably have a lot of great stories, but what's what would be your greatest transaction, do you reckon, when it comes to mind? What's your best story? One that comes to mind was um, I actually I didn't take a commission. Right. Okay. Oh, there was a client who was really struggling, and she she was on her own, and she'd become very, very ill, and she had to sell the property to pay for her expenses, her medical expenses, and so we took the property on, um, got a very quick sale at a good price, and she was over the moon. Like She was so happy because she could finally afford to get her, her surgery done, which was so important to her and um, we just didn't take a commission and that was the happiest I think I've ever felt yeah as a person you know you actually really really helped someone here yeah helped them by selling the property anyway but but by really helping and not taking a commission just made me feel good yeah mm. that's what it's all about that's what it's all about mate, yeah. at the end of the day excellent yeah um, when I first started working at Michael Burrs, I think it was just towards the tail end of your political career. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Mate, at the start and then... Why do you smile? <laughs> um, how did that go for you? How did it come oh, about for a start? Gee, like, well, I was approached Yep. and um, thought deep and long about that and thought, geez, you know, I think I've probably got something to offer. always considered myself a, 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 a blue-collar um worker you know yep. like a, just one of the lads and but I always thought I could offer something um, but when I looked into it I thought I don't know whether I could actually do this and I got myself so worked up about it actually physically yeah it made a, you ill didn't it I had a meltdown yeah and I had a, a TIA mm-hmm. transcomic attack which I'd had some before but the, this wasn't a bad one but I knew it was going to get worse I knew that if if I actually went through with this, got elected, who knows, um, that would probably end up putting me in the ground. Yeah. Uh, because the stress and pressure that the politicians put under is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. You just don't realise the average Joe Blow out there just doesn't realise what they go through. Mm. Um, and my the biggest stress I put on myself was, you know what, my family are going to suffer here. My family, I won't be able to see my grandkids. I won't, you know, you're away from home a lot. Yep. And I and I thought, you know, and, and it was affecting my health. And I thought, oh, nah, better off backing out now mm. than going through with it and making a fool of myself. Wasn't an easy decision for you, oh, though, was it? Oh, mate, because I don't like giving in. Yep. You know, nothing, you, you're, well, I'm not a fighter as such as a physical fighter, but I, I do fight. I fight for what I believe is right. Yep. Um, and I felt as though... I couldn't show my face in public for quite a long time after that. It knocked my confidence around the fact that I had, I thought, myself, I thought I'd given in. Felt like you'd given up. But the consequences were greater if I hadn't given in. If I'd actually gone through with it, I think it would have probably nearly put me in the ground, honestly. Yep. 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 Yeah. And things, because politics is a is a, a terrible beast. Yeah. My dad, Buzzy, was alive at the time and he said, Michael, real estate's not for you. I'm oh, not sorry, real estate. He said, politics is not for you. Yep. He said, you're too nice a guy. <laughs> Coming from your dad, mm. you know, that um, that hit home. Like that. Yeah, yeah, that hit home. Yep. Yeah, he said, you you know, like, he said, you won't be able to cop the criticism. 
because it doesn't matter what politicians out there, they're all criticised. Yep. They don't, the people who make those criticisms don't realise what effect it's having on the politician or their families or their friends. Yep. And I couldn't wear that. Uh, so I was better off to just not go through with it. Yep. And I'm glad I pulled the pin when I did. Yeah. Oh, we even noticed in the office. Like yep. Again, like, you know, your confidence took a bit of a hit, but then once you'd regrouped, it was like you were a new person. Well, because it had affected my health so much, mm. after I did make the decision, I, it gave me a new lease of life. Mm. I thought it gave me something else to prove that I had to do, like, and it was physical stuff. And that's when I got into the trekking and the, yep. went to Kokoda yep. uh, with Jared and went to Everest Base Camp. Helen and I did the Camino. I don't know whether you know that or not. No. No, no Helen no. and I trekked the Portuguese coastal Camino, 240 yep. kilometres. Yep. Over 13 days. Yep. So it became about physical things. Um, like doing Everest Space Camp was so tough. I mean, that was tough because I've got bad lungs anyway. Yeah. And just the thin air and I've got a virus up there and I got pretty sick. And you did that with Jared again? Yeah, you? with Jared again. Yep. It was great for him. Yeah. That's why I did it. The main reason was for him, for leadership skills and get him out to see a bit of the world and yep. push himself as well. Yeah. Yeah, and that's held him in great stead for what he's doing now. Yeah. Because he's, he's now taken over the business. It's a great story to tell, though. Tell oh, the grandkids. <laughs> mate, absolutely. And some of the photos. I mean, I've got one of those um, Amazon Alexa. Yep. Little screens. Yeah, yeah. And we've just, we've just figured it out. I'm not great with tech, but I've just, I just figured out <laughs> You've only to... just figured that out. Yeah, yeah. I just figured <laughs> I out how Helen to... would tell us differently. Oh, mate. I, do, I just figured out how to put um, all the photos on there. Yep. So I've got thousands and thousands of photos and they just scroll through on this thing and they yep. pop up every day and it just reminds you of some of the things you've done. And I look back and I go, wow, I actually crawled through the mud on Kokoda. Mm. Tell us about that. What was that like? That was the most um, challenging, mind-bending, mind-bendingly hard thing, hardest thing I've ever done. Yep. That and emotionally. Um we did it because how that story came about was we were in Thailand, in Phuket, at uh, Spud Chris, Peter Chris yep. pub. Yeah. Down at Kamala there. It was, on, it was on Anzac Day. Yeah. And St Kilda were playing, I think it was the Sydney Swans in New Zealand on Anzac Day. And they were showing it in the pub. So Hill and I went down to the pub and had a few beers and... Spud and uh, his crew were there. Yeah, um, Toad Lee was there. Yeah, Toad, yeah, yeah. We had a great a afternoon character. on the on the having a few quiet beers, watching the footy. Yep. Saints got done, so I wasn't really happy. But anyway, mm. and there was a guy in there called Kevin Mansfield. Kevin is an unbelievable character. He got talking to him over a beer, and I asked him what he did, and he said he's a, a trekking guy. I asked him where he trekked, and he said. Oh, main one was Kokoda. He's done Kokoda, I don't know how many times. Yeah. Like, well over 40, even probably 50 times he's trekked across the Kokoda track. And um, and I said, oh, that's something I'd love to do. He said, oh, you know, I think, you know, just a challenge. And and he said, I'll take it. I said, you're kidding. He said, no, I'll take it. Yeah. He, he said, next year's the 100th anniversary of Anzac. He said it'd be a great one to do. We're going to do a trek um, across the track and, and be at Ishurava Memorial on Anzac Day for the dawn service. Wow. 
And it's I went, powerful. Wow. Anyway, back home we went. Said to Jared, you want to do the Kakata track with me? And he jumped at it. Um, Kevin arranged everything. So we went, we flew into New Guinea, which was an absolute eye-opener. If anybody hasn't been to Port Moresby, it is one of the wildest cities mm. you could imagine. Um, beautiful people. Yeah, the, the locals up there, beautiful. Um, very fundamental. You know, they haven't got great facilities there. Yep. A lot of poverty. Um, but there's a very big um, Australian presence there. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, we did the Kokoda track. There was just Kevin and Jared and myself and the porters that we, we'd hired. And so off we went. That was a rain. It was hot. You copped everything. We man. copped everything. Yep. Yeah, yeah. We copped everything. There was a bet. We, we made a bet with each other. Whoever fell down had to buy a carton of beer at the end. Mm. Yeah, I was the only one who didn't have to buy a carton of beer. <laughs> he stayed on <laughs> yeah, your feet. I, 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 I went down on my knees once. Yeah. But I didn't actually hit my backside on the ground. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, that was a great, great trek. And the yep. morning and the dawn service at Isharava was out of this world. Yeah. I'd love to do it myself. Like, I, I'd never really got into Anzac Day up until probably about 10 years ago. I've found I've got into it more now that I've got my own kids because I yep. want to educate them more about yep. it. Yep. Um, and I've got into a lot more war history and it certainly be, yeah, something that I'd be really interested in, in yeah. doing one day. Mate, it's great. You'd, you'd do it easy. How honestly. physically demanding was it? Uh, mentally. Mentally. Yeah, more. yeah. Look, sometimes you'd... There's a couple of climbs. Um, there's this, this particular place. You walk down into this creek and you look up. It's called the Wall. And it was a very famous um, part of um, the Australian defence, this wall. And they actually, there's photos of, and like, when you look up, it's almost vertical. Yep. And you can't see the sky. That's how high it is and how dense the trees are. Yep. And, you, and you're thinking and you're looking down there and you're going, okay, I'm going to walk up here with a, about 10 kilo backpack on. These soldiers, they walked up there with full... They actually dragged cannons up there. Mm. It's unbelievable. Them, oh, it is mind-blowing. Yep. When you actually sit and, and look at the, the the old photos and read the stories and, and read the books on Kokoda. Yep. Peter Fitzsimmons has got a very good book about yep. Kokoda. Yep. It's a great read. Yeah, I love love reading that book. Yeah. and it, it's, But once you've done it and you've been to the dawn service and you've seen the memorial... It, it really, really opens your eyes. One of the main reasons we did it was because of Helen's dad, Bill. Yep. He fought in the jungles of Malaya and went yep. to Korea. He was a veteran. And he always told us about how tough it was in the jungles. Yep. It was totally different. Yep. And what we did was just a minimalistic experience compared to what compared to what soldiers went through. Yeah. But, but it was tough. Yep. Yep. And when you consider that that was the only war that Australia's fought on our doorstep to, to help our own country, to save our own country yep. from an invading force and what they went through was mm. amazing. Everybody should read the story about Kokoda. Yeah, I'll make sure I put it on. on my Mate, list. it's a great read. Yeah, yeah. I'm reading about um, Gallipoli at the moment. So Fantastic, another great story. Yeah. But we were thrown to the wolves there. Yeah. In that one? Yeah. Anyway, but anyway. But it's more like what, what you said. Like, I, I always try to instill in my kids, too, that, you know, you can never forget about these blokes. No. Because we wouldn't be here without them nope. and the sacrifice that they made. No, so. especially on Kokoda. Yep. They were the last line, weren't they? If they'd have got through port, to Port Moresby, look, it's hop, skip and jump over to Darwin, over to the northern tip of Australia into um, Cape York. Mm. 
You just don't know what would have happened. Yeah. No, we could have been anything, couldn't we? Absolutely. Yeah. And they were a big force that that, that, that stayed as Japanese mm. force and very well drilled and trained. Mm. Uh, the the Australians that went in there were basically um, volunteer mm. soldiers. Yeah. Weekend warriors, basically. Yep. Yep. Just having a go. Yeah, having a go. Yep. Mm. Um, obviously, we've, we've touched on your travels a little bit. Um, <laughs> another story that's come across my desk. <laughs> is it true that on a recent trip up in Cairns, you narrowly avoided being thrown in the slammer because you you managed to find an officer that had a sense of humour? Um, and <laughs> Mate, I, I don't reveal my Se- sources. I tell you what, I'm good, though. Bloody secret squirrel. Absolutely. <laughs> Apparently... Um, yeah, I'll let you tell the story. Oh. But apparently, had you have found a different policeman who put you on this breath, though, some of the things that you said to him, they wouldn't have batted an eyelid or thrown I'm, you in the slam, but you didn't actually know that you'd... I can't believe I did it. <laughs> we are staying at the Shangri-La, a very nice hotel, let me tell you, in Cairns. Yep. Uh, breakfast was thrown in. We had a beautiful breakfast. I love nice bacon, as most Australian flakes do. Yep. <laughs> most people will know where this is going to go now, I reckon. Any, any, anyway, <laughs> get... Goes around the corner of the car, we're going for a drive for the day. Pulls over and the breath test is about nine o'clock in the morning. I couldn't believe it. Or about ten, I think it was. And very nice young police constable ran the window down and he said, Dad, would you mind blowing into this, sir? And so I blew into it. And as I handed it back to him, I said, Does it pick up bacon? <laughs> and he looked and he and he looked at me and he sort of just smirked. And I could hear Helen go <laughs> sit next to me. And then he started talking about ham, and the, and he, he said, yeah, I love nice ham and, and pork crackling. He's going, this is the policeman. Yeah. Yeah, and he said, bacon, yeah, I love all that. He obviously knew. Yeah, and I oblivious. said, oh, yeah, I just had breakfast, and I was just... <laughs> and he said, and he told me where to go up the hill and go to where we sightseeing. It was very pleasant. Yeah. And as we drove off, Helen said, do you realise what you just did? <laughs> I said, I can't. She said, I can't believe you did it. I said, what? So you just said to the policeman, does it pick up bacon? <laughs> and I looked at it, and then it hit me what I'd said, and I, oh, my God, it's a wonder he didn't arrest me. Yeah. <laughs> but it was purely innocent. Yeah. I didn't do it for the liver. I just said, because I've just had bacon for breakfast. Obviously, he God. looked at you and realised that, yeah, this bloke's got no idea what he's uh, just said. It's a wonder he didn't put you on the breath twice, just to double check. Foot in mouth disease, mate. I'm, I'm, I'm notorious for it. <laughs> Couple of quick ones to finish up, mate. So, like we've spoken about before, um, real estate agents obviously cop a bit of a, a bad rap in the public eye. If you could say anything to Joe Blow in the public um, before they go and deal with a real estate agency, what would you tell them? Go in with an with a open heart and and trust. Yep. Show some trust. Yep. Trust the people that are going to do the right thing by them. Yep. Yeah. If if and ask questions. They're in the vendor's best interests. So don't go just in and, and get one opinion. Get multiple opinions. Pick the ones that, that sound right. Don't pick the agent that, that's going to go the biggest on the marketing, biggest on the on the, the show. Go go for the agent that, that you feel right with. It might not always be you. It might not always be the person doing a presentation. Yep. That comes back down to the relationships building. If you can't build that relationship, there's nothing there. Yeah. Um. So if for a vendor, definitely get multiple. Don't just go with one. 
get a different, maybe three. Don't do any more because it's just too confusing. Yep. Um, some agents will quote high. Some agents will quote low for a quick sale. Yep. Generally, the one that's done their research and knows the market best is probably in the middle. Yeah. I found. Yeah. Um, and this market we've got right now is very different mm. because there's a lack of stock. Um, prices are going up. Mm. Um, so don't be scared to put a little bit more on price for vendors just in case throw that little bit extra extra but it's all relative yep if somebody as you know if a vendor gets absolute top dollar when they buy again they'll be paying top dollar as well yeah the market goes up and down together yep so it's all relative but make sure that the agent works for them yep not just for the buyer yep far as the industry as a whole goes it's more transparent now it's a lot more transparent a lot of the um the franchises have gone. If you've noticed, I don't know if you've noticed that now. There's not mm. many franchises. Some of the bigger agencies in town now yep. are, are independent. Yeah, yeah, I did notice that. You know, and as uh, and I'll and I'll mention a name, um, Don Halliwell, what yep. a great man. Um, he was a, even though he had his, he was in opposition to me. He was a great mentor, and um, he was a great man, Don, and uh, ran a very, very, very good business. Yep, um, that was. It's now an independent agency. Yep. It's not a franchise anymore. Yep. Um, what's the best bit of advice you've been given in your life, whether it's through real estate or just in something else? Or I'd say to work hard, do the right thing, and enjoy the rewards. Yep. That's that's it. But if if you, if you work hard and you don't do the right thing, you're not going to get the reward anyway. Yeah. The reward that you get by doing the right thing is uh, it's not just monetarily it's it's uh, about a pride have have pride in what you do yep big thing of it and you've probably heard me say this before if you do a transaction with anybody it doesn't matter if it's in real estate or, or car sales or whatever the sales job is if you've done a transaction with somebody and you see them walking down the street and you can go up to them and shake their hand ask how they are how's the family you know you've built a relationship mm. forever. Yeah. If you've got the first inkling that, oh, I don't want to talk to that person, it means you've done something wrong. Yeah. You never want that feeling. Yeah. You want to be able to approach. You want to be able to approach people. Look them in the eye. I know you've done the right thing by them. Yeah. Yeah. You've probably touched on it, but what advice would you give anyone wanting to get into real estate? Um, the first thing is to absolutely want to get into real estate. Yeah. Real estate's Tough, not it? at ease. Real estate's not a second choice. You can't go for a job in real estate thinking that's your second option, or, or I'll go and do something else if I don't get that job. Yeah, you've got to want to get into it. Mm. It's something, um, and that comes back down to the the helping aspect. People, if they want to go into real estate just for the money, forget it. Yeah, they won't last five minutes. Um, and it's not being about. It's, it's nothing about. There's nothing wrong with making money, but as long as you've done it the right way, yeah, and you can, and you've got pride in the way you've done it, yeah, and, and you know you've earned everything that you've got. For us, as as owning a business, and enticing people to work for us, that's a, a massive thing. Yeah, that that is probably uh, the biggest thing. We've been lucky enough over the years to to have some awesome people, and you're included, mate, in that. I would say we've had great people with us. Some of them haven't actually made it in real estate, but we've loved them being with us. Yeah. 
Um, it wasn't for them. But I'm a big believer in giving people a go. Yeah. Seven years is the average time for a real estate consultant in the yep. industry. Yeah. So that's how hard it is. Yeah. You don't see many people working for life. Look at the, the John Ackroyds of the world. Yeah. He did it forever. Yeah. You know, all due credit to him. Yeah. You know, he knew, he knew how to get it done and he, and he, and he had a great loyal following. Mm. So people like that are, um, are very, very rare. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. That's pretty much all I've got for you, mate. The only other thing that I was going to talk to you about would be the Saints, but that's probably a whole other podcast on its own. But... Well, I don't want to talk about the Saints, mate. <laughs> Where did that mad love come from, mate? I... Where did you jump on well, the Saints? Well, that's a great story. Sitting on the, on the banks with Buzzy. Yeah. Trout fishing. Yep. And um, 66 grand final. Oh, yeah. Yep. He had a little black and white radio. HMV radio. Yep. Sitting there, and he was going berserk. And I'm like, what's going on? And then he threw the radio up in the air. The Saints had won their first grand final. Yep. And that was, like, intoxicating. Yeah. Right? yeah. What's this? Um, lucky enough to go to a few games when we lived in Melbourne. Yep. Obviously. And um, and our kids have become passionate supporters. Burners and Kilda supporters, very grounding. Mm. Um, you live the highs and lows. It's like life. Yeah. <laughs> it is. Yeah. You know, we're not, we don't have much success. But when they do have some, mm. you know, it's been hard fought and... And, and they probably deserved it. Yeah. You know, going to those two grand finals, 2009, 2010, that was heartbreaking. Mm. You know, there was, both those games probably should have been won, especially the ones against you, Yeah. In yeah. 2009. Yeah. You know, we probably should have won that. Yep. Best side in the day won it. There's no doubt about that. They had a great, great year, though, the Saints, didn't they? Did, or and Geelong. Yeah. Well, it was, I think it was that year, it was round 13. They were both undefeated. Feated, yep. And they played it at... At Marvel Stadium. One of the best games ever played. Mate, it was one of the best home and away games ever played. Yeah. And that was that was a cracking game of footy. Yeah. It was brilliant. Um, and we got up in the last bit. Could have yep. gone either way. Yep. But they look at the strategies of both those clubs where they built their list that they're very similar. Mm. Frustrating this year. Yep. Very hard to take injuries. Not making excuses for them, but there's a few games they should have won, even against your mob. Yep. You know, kicked ourselves out of that yep. game. Yeah, that's been a big one on them this year. It has, kicking, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah, and that's pressure. Yeah, that's perceived pressure. You know, young young men not being able to handle the situation at the time. Yeah, take a deep breath, go back. Okay, what have I got to do? Yeah, to get the job done here. No, they just haven't been able to do that. Once again, I think they're probably living up to others' expectations. Yep, not their own. Okay, I keep saying that, but that that's a big thing in life is to live up your own expectations. Mm. If you can go over your own expectations, you will succeed. Even better. Yeah. 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 But that's the Saints. And, mate, you've got a chainsaw or something going on. Yeah, something here. going, mate. Hopefully <laughs> I can edit that out. But that's the Jeez. beauty of recording in a shed. Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. Mate, we've had, we've had trains blowing their horns. We've had rain on the roof. Um, we had Premier's phone buzzing last week. Did so you? It's real. That's what I put out there. So. Good on you, mate. Love it. <laughs> People will know that it, she's not a, um, a streamlined um, production. She's... Um, mate, it's great. And, and I think... And all due credit to you. Thank you. And I haven't seen you for a while. And um, and when I got your invite, I was, I was act chuffed yep. that you'd ask. Yep. Um, well, I've got a big list of people, mate, and you were one of the first that I'd put on there because I knew you were a great story. So, And I knew, you know, I probably knew 10% of it. So I wanted to... Yeah, no, I well, we've got more. tons more, mate, too. But <laughs> you'd be here all day. We'll have a follow-up. Yeah, oh, you'll be here all day. <laughs> Once those girls become teenagers, those grandkids, then we'll, we'll do yeah. one and see how you go. Then yeah. you'll have some stories. Mate, time's marching on. You know, not... not not getting any younger. Bloody oath. And um, it's, yeah, it's just nice to look back now 
at the things that we did do, yeah. at the people we were involved with. Yeah. And every time I do, I smile. Yeah, and then, and even today, I mean, they've got a we've got a great we're, we're blessed. Yep. We've got the best people with us. Yep. And our property management section's beautifully run. We've got great people there. Yep. Um, and, and the team look after our our, our clients. And, yep. Yeah. So it's it's happy days. Good. Yeah, happy days. Health's pretty good. Yeah, looking forward to the world getting back to normal. Yeah. So we can travel. That was our dream. Yep. Once we retired, uh, go and see more of the world. Yep. We've got big plans. That's another podcast for another day. Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. No, it's, um, it's been a great chat, mate. You know, I've, I've loved getting in and just, just as much as anything, just to catch up with you because yeah. you know, we don't do it enough. Yeah, but... it's only early morning, mate. Oh, it's 12 o'clock. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's lunch time. yeah we could have. <laughs> I should have turned the fridge on. I've always said, mate, it's 12 o'clock somewhere in yeah, the world. You can never be here at any time. Yeah. yeah. But no, it's been good just to, you know, get another perspective on real estate because I know a lot of people out there wouldn't know that. And as I say, that's one of the main reasons I, I love doing this to get different people from different walks of yep. life just to enlighten people yep um as i say um you know it's been been great to have you in mate and i yeah wish you all the best in in business and and in life as a granddad mate. credit mate and um <laughs> yeah really good to catch up with you and um yeah hope you should, mate, hope this goes viral for you yeah <laughs> no, no no just the whole concept yeah i, I love it and yeah. it's um, it's nice to hear people's stories thanks mate watch this good space on, good on you Cole. <laughs> Cheers, great mate. to see you pal. take care <laughs> A huge thank you to Michael for coming in for a chat. I hope that gave a great insight into the industry, not just for customers, but also for anyone looking to get into real estate with the right idea. And there might be a few competitors who might gain a few sneaky tricks there too. Thanks, mate, for coming in and being so open about your life. I think it's an inspiring story of how anyone who's hungry and driven enough, they can achieve anything they want in life. Thanks also to my informants for those great stories about the great man. And as always, please make sure you like, follow, leave a rating, all that clever stuff. And if there's a great guest we can speak to, um, you can contact us through our website, which is talkhardpodcast.com. Talk to you next time.